0: Welcome to the Richer Geek Podcast. We're here helping people find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom. I'm Mike Stoller, and in this podcast, you'll hear from others who are already doing these things and learn how you can too. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Richer Geek Podcast. Today, we're happy to have Max Porterfield. Max is the CEO, President, and Director of Kalinex Mines, and what we're going to talk about today is just a little bit about the economy, supply chain, what they're doing, and and how the world is reacting to mines and what it is that he's seeing in the macro and microeconomics of of the whole system and the business. And I think it'll be very interesting for. Our listeners to uh, have what Max says. How you doing, Max? I'm doing great. Really excited to be here today. So, X Mines is, is a Canadian mining company um, that that goes back a long time. You know, from the 1920s, I think I read. Um, how are you guys seeing it? you guys? We talked a little bit about you guys are in in the copper right now. Tell us kind of how Calendex is doing, you know, uh, and, and what they're doing right now and what your plans are.
1: Yeah, so we're, we're a, uh, an exploration stage company. There's three phases in the, the mining business. There's exploration, development, and the actual production side of the equation. Really where you can make a lot of money, uh, the most money in the industry or the, the sector is within exploration because that's similar to a biotech company. A mm-hmm. biotech company is doing research and de- development per se, or, or uh, you know, any kind of tech companies de-risking uh, through their, you know, research and development arm. Mm-hmm. And then as you hit different milestones and de-risk the asset uh, or the, the drug per se through clinical trials, you add value to your shareholder base and then the company's valuation will increase in lockstep. And so what Calinix is focused on is, is in the copper space on uh, just, you know, base and precious metals mines, their, their VMS mines, their, their kind of a a nickname form for, for volcanogenic Mass of sulfide, but quite simply, we're in the copper business. We're exploring for base and precious metals uh, mm-hmm. at a key time for the supp- you know supply and demand are really favoring higher prices, which is going to benefit us. Uh, and so, what Calenix has done is it's hit a very high grade copper discovery in northern Manitoba, where we have a long history. At a key time for the community, their flagship mine shutting down in May of this year. Uh, this is also on the backdrop, kind of on the global supply crunch for copper. It's not just driven by kind of COVID-related supply chain problems, but really a lack of investment over the past decade, if not longer, for these base metal mines because they're very, very difficult to find. They're challenging, mm-hmm. and that's really where the reward is. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's what we're focused on, kind of bigger picture.
0: Now, I, I can't imagine what goes into Digging a hole that big and trying to find copper—I mean, it has to be, you know, what we're thinking about with R and you know research and development, but just the equipment and and the manpower. I mean, how long does it usually take? You know, you have something, and now you have to explore in hopes of finding it. I mean, that has to be just a huge undertaking.
1: I mean, there's a, there's a lot of thought uh, process that goes into uh, targeting and exploration. So, you know. Our version of uh, clinical trials and comparing to biotech stock yeah. is is that we call it the truth machine truth machine in terms of drilling, uh, and so you have a hypothesis of thesis based upon where you think the deposit would sit in three D space underground, and then you ultimately test that hypothesis through drilling. Uh, so we we drill a hole about two and a half uh, inches in diameter uh, to test different target areas, and once you're successful and you hit a discovery which is uh, the first step in the long, long process. Then mm-hmm. you start delineating the deposit with step out drilling where you essentially move out 50, 100 meters, 75 meters away from where you previously drilled, put another hole and you delineate uh, a deposit that way. Uh, so that's, that's where we are. But in terms of timelines, you know, a lot of people don't appreciate the copper supply chain. And in, in the copper business, the timeline from a discovery hole to production is on average seven years. So. Mm-hmm. Say you, you make a discovery, which is very challenging to do. There's still you know a long road ahead, uh, till that actually hits the, the supply chain, which is I think what the world doesn't truly understand right now. You know government policies put in place this big shift away from the, the hydrocarbon, oil and gas, yeah, and that can only be replaced by w- really one thing, and that's metals. And base metals are really key to the electric vehicle revolution. You know if you look at the, some of these SUVs that are from an EV vehicle, you're talking 150 pounds of copper. Wow, so this is all being you know, government policies putting in place you know, mandates that you know, all vehicles need to be electric by certain timeframes, which is going to put in a huge demand driver on the demand side at a time where you've got a really limited supply. Now we're looking to to kind of shorten that gap with our discovery at Rainbow because it's located in proximity to infrastructure at a key time where that infrastructure is due to sit idle. With the seven 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 mine that's operating in the town of it's called Flint, Manitoba, is shutting down in this May of this year. So What we're looking to achieve is obviously going to accelerate that timeline from the typical, you know, seven years to a few years Mm -hmm. because you're in proximity, infrastructure, power, uh, you know, water, road access and all those type of things really reduce your timelines. But that's just kind of bigger picture in terms of the supply challenges in the metals market that people don't really readily appreciate.
0: Yeah, I think you were talking earlier that there's only three day supply.
1: Yeah, right okay. now, it's, it's incredible. The, the supply, you know, above-ground inventories in the LME, yeah. uh, you know, just over 3 days supply. So it's very, very tight supply. But at, at the same time, demand's just not going to fall off. I mean, demand's only getting stronger. And that's government policy. I mean, we just talked about EV. But there's all the infrastructure around specifically just electric vehicles and how you're going to charge them with super uh, chargers and what have you. All are huge consumptions of, of metals. And then broader picture, U.S. infrastructure, global infrastructure, um, the One Belt, One Road Initiative out of, out of uh, China is an infrastructure plan that really dwarfs anything that they talk about in the United States, if you can imagine that. And all these are, are going to put big, big demand on base metals. And so you're really having a flurry of activity in terms of where is the world going to supply this? Because in the copper space, for example, since we're on the, you know, we're obviously a, have a high-grade copper discovery, um, the global average grade of copper mine globally is half a percent. And that's yeah. from these big, low-grade, open-pit operations, uh, like in Chile, Peru, Arizona, as well, uh, is a big producer of copper in the United States. And these big low-grade deposits oftentimes may not have the cleanest energy source that's generating uh, the production of those metals. So that calls into question when you go and buy your Tesla uh, EV yeah. or any other EV or, or you know battery powered small appliance or what have you, is how clean is it really for the environment when you don't take into account really further down the supply chain? And so that's where we're looking to stand out with what we've discovered. It's called the Rainbow De- uh, Deposit. It's one of the highest grade uh, copper deposits discovered in, in North America more recently, and I'm sure they're on a global basis based upon drilling to date. To be in the top 10 highest grade copper mines, for example, you need to have uh, just over 3.75% copper. And if you look at the supply for those, or where those mines are located, a large number of those you know, top 10 mines in terms of grade around the world are in Central Africa, like the DRC. So, uh, you know, what we have is a very, very high grade copper discovery in a safe jurisdiction and a really critical time for a community. And we also benefit from hydroelectric power. So that's where you're going to really get clean copper concentrate that will really meet the long-term objectives of these economies and uh, really the government policy that's being put in place to move away from the hydrocarbon is with a, a kind of a clean copper concentrate. So it's not just how it's sourced. Well, you know, what are the grades of the mines and how what is the energy power that's being powered or generated to power the production of these critical metals to shift uh, the world into this kind of cleaner area?
0: How are you dealing or is there any, um, you know, political ramifications? Seems like all these people that want EVs and they want the cleaner uh, cars. I, I have a Tesla X, so I, I don't know how many pounds of copper I have. You know, hopefully it's 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 good. Um, but it seems like the same people that are wanting all these EVs are also partially against mining.
1: You yeah, know, well, there's gonna be a bit I of think... a revolution with the miners <laughs> here because you can't have uh, you can't have both one without the other. Right. And so you're right. You're absolutely. I think what the mining companies need to do a better job of is obviously ESG. Uh, in this environment, sustainable growth in the mining industry. And that's one of the things that you're seeing that's becoming a, a bigger talking point and action point, really, from the producers, you know, all the way down to the explorers like ourselves, you know, in terms of what we're onto and what we really, our long term vision has been to this. So the world's just kind of coming to uh, our favor, so to speak, because this has been a long term objective. It's not something that we just suddenly thought it was a good idea. Um, so, you know, you're right. You need uh, to, to have a critical look at your supply source and understand that if you want to have a shift away from oil and gas, you're going to have to need the metals. Uh, yeah. Because if you can physically touch it, it's either been grown, pumped, or mined. And I can tell you that uh, your power generation from your car is not going to be grown. And even <laughs> the then, maybe point. all of this deforestation associated with that. So yeah. you know, there's a give and take that has to be uh, made. I think That's everybody good. understands what the long-term object- objectives are. And it's just about meeting those long-term objectives in a sustainable way, which is where we're looking to kind of fill that gap.
0: Yeah, because, you know, one thing that I remember that Elon Musk had had mentioned is it's all said and good that you want all these EVs, but we don't have the electricity capabilities to put all these EVs on the road.
1: Yeah, and you're going, that's just the production of the EVs then you're looking at the electrical to, uh, grid to power the EVs and what is mm-hmm. your base load power generation coming from uh, in the United States. So, you know, I think there's, there's going to be a, uh, a mix. Uh, certainly nuclear is going to be an important role in, into yep. all that in terms of clean, low cost power generation. You also said geothermal, um, solar, wind, all those types of things need to kind of come together for an energy mix to create a sustainable base load power generation source that then can supply the EVs. Because I mean, EVs are just one thing. I mean, if you look at the small combustion motor, whether it be in a, a lawnmower, uh, those type of, you know, small motors are actually very, very big pollutants. I know the state of California, for example, is looking to do away with uh, those and they all need to transition to battery powered. But again, yep. it goes back to your supply sources. And not only that, you know, in terms of getting the supply, getting the supply in a sustainable way, but then where do you, you get that supply in a sustainable way understand the geopolitical risks associated with a lot of the world's mine supply. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's very well and good just to say, do it, you know, like they do in California. Well, we're just going to ban all blowers, ban all gas, lawnmowers, but there has to be a thought process of what is that? Yeah. What, you know, how are we going (laughs) to do it? And, and and what does it take to do it?
1: Um, You saw something similar in uh, the platinum arena, in terms of the metal platinum uh, back in the early 2000s, when all cars needed to have uh, catalytic converters, what the world didn't realize is that every single catalytic converter has a little bit of platinum in it. And that's why oftentimes you read on the news, where, you know, thieves are going out and, and cutting out, you know, the catalytic converter outside of the cars. And they're doing that to get that little bit of platinum and the big demand shift that had in the platinum market, it was a really good time to be in the platinum space because again, you had a new demand source that's been thrust upon a, a, a metal with a, a, a very finite supply. And so, you know, it, you just don't just turn on the tap, so to speak, like you can in an oil and gas scenario where you have a much quicker path to production to get any one of those metals. And really, the only way to have, so solve that problem is with higher prices, because higher prices are going to incentivize the exploration development for new mines. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, you know, they, oftentimes the cure for higher prices is higher prices. Uh, and so that's been you know, the case right now with copper is you have the whole world looking around for the supply constraints and pointing the finger towards the pandemic or what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the reality is, is, if you look during the pandemic, mine supply in copper is about six, seven percent that came off just for a number of months. I think you really need to look at the geopolitical risks associated with the supply constraints around the metal. For example, the recent <laughs> elections in Chile and Peru, uh, going to more of a socialist regime. Uh, that historically has led to a lot of problems operating mines in those economies. Because, again, uh, as a socialist co- economy might you know, come in and have more demands than before, um, it really is going to have an impact on the operation. When it has an impact on the operation, it's going to have an impact on global mine supply, mm-hmm. which, again, is very, very sensitive right now. And in general, people don't really appreciate how sensitive it truly is.
0: Mm. And you know, one of the fears might be that those type of countries that are turning more socialist might give their first batches or their first haul to like China or to Russia. Right? And we'll say, like, well, the rest of the world may not get first dips because they're more maybe aligned with the other countries.
1: No, definitely. I think you need to look at supply sources. I think the, the five eyes, so to speak, when I say that, I'm talking about the US, the UK, Australia, New Zealand, mm-hmm. uh, Canada, are all systematically looking out and going. St- to see where are we going to meet the supply for our economies, and in fact, I mean, in many ways, the um, export credit agencies for the five eyes are going around and looking to backstop financing for the mm-hmm. um, for these deposits to go into production with some security that they're going to get offtake Got for it. their economy. And so, you know, if you look at the normal discount rate for a base metal project, you're looking at eight percent. But well, you can go now and get 80%, you know, the basically the long story end of it is, is that, the, you know, you go and get a, a bank will feasibility study on a, on a deposit to go into production. And the bank will give you uh, the debt financing. It's a mix of debt and equity, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, or taking that deposit into production. But now the, these economies of these governments are going into backstocking 80% of that debt at an artificially low interest rate. So instead of 8%, you're talking 2% which is gonna you know, obviously be a big, big benefit to bring a lot of these EV-centric ESG yeah. projects online and, and a much more favorable financing terms than ever before. And that's yeah. really going out to secure the supply uh, away. Because I mean, in, in many ways, I think we're in a new cold war uh, that's taking place around the world. And uh, the bargaining chip, as you can see, particularly with what's going on in Russia and the Ukraine right now, is in that instance, is gonna be the commodities. I mean, oftentimes you look at foreign policy, it's really dictated around the, the sourcing of some sort of, of commodity, whether yeah. it be oil historically been a popular one. Uh, natural gas is one right now. Obviously, natural gas uh, in Europe is, is heavily tied to, uh, to Russia. Uh, and so, again, it's where do you fit in this whole game? Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I like to be positioned in a safe jurisdiction, proximity infrastructure, clean power at a key time on the macroeconomic level with the the town needing that discovery.
0: So I think what you're saying also that, which is good that the central banking system is pro what you're doing. So there are some opportunities they are not shutting you guys down. They're not giving you guys any high interest rates in order to make it not feasible.
1: Well, it's, it's, yeah, what I was, I guess, alluding to with all that is that the governments are coming around to secure supply for their economies. Yeah. They're looking to backstop it at, you know, you're basically, you're, you know, your, your debt financing is going to be backed by the whatever government's giving, export agencies giving that line of credit. But they're wanting some surety on some level of offtake for mm-hmm. those economies is what I was mentioning there. And yeah. in terms of geopolitical risk, I mean, we love being an explorer, you know, slash developer because we're moving towards and you know, shifting towards that in tandem with our exploration efforts in an area that's produced 32 mines. So this is a new business in the area that we're operating in. And uh, Canada overall is really a source for financing and really a a human capital source for the exploration efforts, not just in North America, but truly on a global basis. The world Mm -hmm. does turn to Canada. Canada has historically been a leader in in that sector. Uh, So it's a a great jurisdiction to operate in. Obviously, everything kind of ongoing right now, um, with the protests and how that's being handled can be looked at uh, differently. Um, but ultimately, you want to be in North America uh, if you want to be anywhere, in my opinion. Uh, you know. Oh, yeah. Well, all, I do too. Job creation in a country like Canada is going to be very, very key. Uh, and it also opens a lot of doors. You know, when when you're looking to create jobs for your economy at a key time for the community level that's, you know, been a, a tax um, contributor Driver of tax revenue for the province of Manitoba and the federal government, for example, for over a hundred years, to all of a sudden becoming a potential liability. Mm-hmm. Uh, when you have a solution to that problem, you're really going to stand out, and there's going to be a lot of people, you know, waiting to help when they can.
0: Now we have had 2021, especially, and uh, it looks like it's not going to stop anytime soon. You know, we've had the most inflationary year since probably the late 70s. Um, how is that? impacting commodities like you know the copper silver gold zinc and what kind of insights can you share with us on how you think it's all going to affect those commodities
1: well i mean in inflation in an inflationary uh, environment uh, like the 1970s and today it's going to be very very good for commodities because you know you look at commodities and their price in us dollars so as U.S. dollar weakens, it's going to take more dollars to buy the same commodity. Mm-hmm. So it's really a natural hedge to inflation would be in uh, in the commodity space, whether it be precious metals. You know, same thing for real estate, art, those type of things will all perform well in an inflationary environment. Uh, but what's really underpinning, I think, the long-term super cycle, uh, particularly for the base metals, as well as gold and, and silver and the precious metal side of things, is going to be the supply side. Because it's been really, truly, really a lack of investment in the exploration of these discoveries, and you can see that through the entire, you know, uh, sector. Whether it be, you know, not just copper, look at gold. You've got declining grades uh, of discoveries. The, the the size of these discoveries are becoming uh, smaller and more more infrequent, and so you've got to look and explore in different ways. And that's really the story for in Kalinex's case with the Rainbow deposit. Is looking at a mature mining camp, but a, a camp that's produced 32 mines, and you know, you could have a, a negative view on that and say, hey, all the mines have been found in this area, there's nothing to look for there. And we took a different lens and a different perspective, and we thought, you know, there's obviously a pedigree, there's that mineral endowment potential there, and we need to look in new ways. And so again, the only thing that's going to incentivize that's higher prices uh, and um, thinking outside the box, but truly. The driver of all this is the easy discoveries have been made in many ways. Mm -hmm. Uh, Technology has not advanced as readily in the mining space as you see it advance amount of capital that goes into it in oil and gas per se. Uh, And that's all coming to uh, an end here. You know, I mean, you know, push comes to shove. If you need the metals, you're going to have to look for other (laughs) ways and in new places, more more remote. And that's all going to lead to higher costs associated with that. So, you know, that's one of the key strategies that we've employed has always been in proximity infrastructure where you won't, it can be obviously a much cleaner footprint, a smaller footprint, but your upfront capital costs to explore for these deposits is much, much lower cost than when you're going remote. When you're going remote, you're setting up a camp, you're taking people, water, power, mm-hmm. helicopter access in and out, uh, and it's just much more costly in the exploration stage as well as your development stage. If you look at a remote discovery, oftentimes the capex for these deposits are in you know over a billion dollar capex, if not higher, to get all the people, the power, the water, all that out there to these large deposits. And so you, you know you need a, a sustainable long term price move to really create the necessity and you know these things to come to fruition. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I think the way to mitigate risk is obviously going in proximity infrastructure where you can leverage off of that where your threshold for something to be economic is much, much lower because you don't have to rebuild all that infrastructure that was already put in place there from a previous mining operation. How much pushback
0: do you get, you know, when you go and you make a discovery like with the local provinces and, and just trying to say, hey, you know, we want to come out here and just do this big thing because we have this big discovery. Are you getting any pushback, you know, from the different areas that, where you find these discoveries?
1: No, actually, I mean, that's, that was again, going back to being aligned with the microeconomic situation within these, you know, known and established Canadian mining jurisdictions, the town of Flint, where rainbow is located just a half hour drive away by existing road access. Mm. We're actually within a mineral lease, So it's advanced permitting. We sit oh. within 200 meters of a hydroelectric power line and that, that uh, flagship mine that's operated by the, the mid-tier company, HUD Bay, is shutting down in May of this year. So again, two and a half months mm-hmm. away from a firm shutdown date for a mine that's the really the sole driver of the economy for the community. This is a town of 5,000 people mm-hmm. and 785 direct jobs going down to 50 by next year. And that's just direct jobs due to the mine. And of course, there's always the local economy that surrounds that anchor mine. And so, again, when you have a discovery that can take the pressure off the community, because yeah. there hasn't been another discovery that's been made that's going to is readily in, in the, the, the arms waiting to go into production after 777 shuts down, mm-hmm. uh, really opens up a lot of doors. And it's where you get a lot of support on the community level, because they understand mm-hmm. the positive impact that you can have and, Good. you know, really stemming a lot of job losses that are inherent in that community. And that's what we're looking to achieve with our discovery.
0: What is your uh, with with this? I'm talking about Kalinex. Um, What's a comparison, or can you make one between like your market cap and your peer group companies? How are you guys? You know, because you're are a public company. How can you like prove that undervaluation?
1: Yeah. Um, so I mean, in terms of valuation, you know, there's other companies with similar assets that have market capitalizations of 150 million, 200 million, up to 500 million, mm-hmm. depending where you look. I think one of the key things for us has been. We've gotten delayed by assay results coming from the lab on the discovery of rainbow, uh-huh. and we're more readily known for assets in the maritimes that are zinc lead uh, focused uh, as well. So as we shift to a brand new discovery, that's where you can have a, a, the biggest revaluation for the company. I mean, today we're sitting with a market cap of roughly 30 million, and mm-hmm. one of the key things that you know I think that is going to change that in the very short term or near term is again, being able to process additional assay results from the discovery. So assay results are essentially um, the laboratory results. After you drill a hole, they process it and tell you exactly how much metals in the hole that you've drilled. And that's key to to delineating a deposit and then publishing a maiden resource because we're pre resource at Rainbow. When we (laughs) entered 2021, we only had three holes into the discovery, it was brand new. Since that time, we've drilled over 71 holes in the deposit area. And so we're going to be publishing a maiden resource, which is going to be a key milestone for Discoveries, your first resource. And that's where you have a third party uh, engineering firm, you know, model independently how much metal is actually in the deposit that you've drilled. Mm. And that, again, is, I think, a key milestone and catalyst where we can get a big revaluation. And that's not too far off in the distant future for the company and something that we're working on right now uh, with, um, you know, someone that we had hired to complete that work.
0: What is your? You know, I, I know you've been with this company a little while. What's your proudest moment to date working with well, Certainly this it was
1: the, the discovery of Rainbow. I mean, that's uh, yeah. uh, the discovery of one of the highest grade copper you know deposits out there at a key time for a local community. That's been a long term objective. That was an objective that when I joined the company and we had a big management shift at Kalinex in mid 2014 was to find Flintflon its next mine. And so to hit that discovery and really at the height of the pandemic where there was peak amount of fear, I was certainly not living in a state of fear myself uh, because I had an opportunity to be out there at the drill when we made that discovery. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that was the first moment. And certainly there's gonna be many more new moments as we continue to hit milestones. And and really 2022 is is a year to to publish a maiden resource on Rainbow, but also the year that we're looking to make discoveries of other deposits in the area. Mm -hmm. Because what we've done is we've taken the, the tool set Um, in in kind of the mindset and the the mosaic, so to speak, that we created to find Rainbow. And we expanded that on a very large scale across our land package in a new way. So no one had ever found Rainbow or looked for a mine in that specific way in the area. That's where you're getting to change your mindset to change your outcome. Mm -hmm. And now that we have Rainbow and we have that as a footprint and kind of a playbook where we expanded that playbook on the entire property area. And that's something else we're looking to achieve is is Rainbow would be on in, in 2022 is is finding another one or two Rainbows mm-hmm. uh, to get those into the pipeline uh, would be, I guess, you know, my next proudest moment that I'm looking to achieve. You know, I, I don't, maybe I'm not, not satisfied, but, uh, but certainly Rainbow and the Discovery was the proudest moment to date. And as we move forward and, and hit different milestones, we're looking to replace that memory.
0: So your definition probably for like a successful year for Kalinex would be not only to keep Rainbow going, but, to have a couple more of these discoveries, and that would just kind of put the icing on the cake for 2022.
1: Absolutely, that's that's just reaching really critical scale because then you're you have not one operation at Rainbow uh, in you know Pine Bay, which is an adjacent deposit, but you're looking to add uh, you know one, two, three others uh, mm-hmm. if everything you know plays out. And I think that we're going to be very you know when we you look at how many target areas that we had with our new approach to exploration. Uh, in Manitoba, we had it down to four target areas, and uh, we obviously discovered Rainbow in one of those four target areas. And so, looking forward into 2022, we have uh, you know six or seven target areas. Uh, we've been outlined a few of them already to the market, and there'll be more to come. And you know, I think we're doing that in a much more refined manner than even when we what was leading up to the discovery of Rainbow. Right? We've taken that and then the more data you get, just like in a, in a biotech, more research you get back and the further you get down your process, the more you learn and the more effective you can be at exploration. And that's what we're looking to prove and and achieve uh, this year. How high do you
0: think copper is going to get, you know, you know, here in the United States, you know, they're stealing copper everywhere, you know, and they're going into homes, stealing all the copper pipes. They've even gone and, and with the superchargers, um, Cut the lines of the superchargers to get the copper. You know, it's, it's are you just seeing that in the foreseeable future is just going to keep going up and up and up and up because of the demand?
1: Yeah, I, again, you have to have higher copper supply or prices yeah. to incentivize new supply. And I'm not the only one. That, I mean, Goldman Sachs, Bank of America, uh, they're all saying the same thing in terms of their analysts looking down the further on supply chain is that you're not getting the supply response in copper, and that's really truly unprecedented. Right, and that's going yeah. back to a long-term systemic problem. Because again, when I joined Kalinex in 2014, it was not sexy to be a copper explorer. Mm. It was not. You were looking at a $2 copper environment. Wow. So you need a sustained higher price action in the underlying metal to incentivize companies like Kalinex to go out there and explore for new mines. And again, you're talking a supply delay, that you know, seven years from a discovery to a production on average. So wow. it's not like these are just gonna turn on all of a sudden. And there's other things that go in line with that. I mean, if you're looking at, you know, deposits are very remote, we talked about the big upfront CapEx that can prevent an asset from going to production. The timelines I'm taking a very remote asset in asset production as well. The risks associated with producing very, very remote. All of these types of things are gonna have a big, big impact on the world, you know, meeting, uh, the, the, the industry meeting the world's demands for mm-hmm. the metal. And so I don't think it's going to be anything new to see the copper stolen. I mean, we saw the copper stolen during the last cycle, but Mm -hmm. this cycle has a lot more going for it, even than the the previous super cycle in commodities that ended with the financial crisis in 2008, uh, because you haven't had any investment in supply.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, you joined the company in 2014, and I mean, it's got to be from where it was to where you're going now. I mean, what are some of the things and, and what is it like to run a company like this?
1: Well, there's certainly never <laughs> a dull moment, <laughs> that. I mean, it, uh, you know, in as terms of risk perspective goes, I mean, Kalanix and exploration is a very, very high risk endeavor, because uh, the statistical odds of making a discovery that goes into a producing asset on an industry wide basis is one in 4,000. And I think obviously that's a very high risk business, but that's why the reward is so high as well. When you make a discovery and you can delineate it is because these mines are, are truly valuable. If you look at the 777 mine that's shutting down in May, that's thrown off over a billion dollars in tax revenue alone. So we're talking about a big, big business, a big, big opportunity. Uh, and you know, the way you, de- you, you know, minimize risk in a high-risk environment is, you know, again, proximity infrastructure, the pedigree, obviously the infrastructure has been put in there because of the pedigree of the geology that's put in place, other deposits have been found found that have gone into production. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's very, very exciting. Uh, I'm certainly passionate about what we do and the whole team's passionate about what we do. I mean, it's one of the things I haven't mentioned is, you know, my background is uh, traditionally in finance. Uh, and so when you come into a business like Kalanix, you really need to bring the technical expertise, which is one of the key things I, I focus on doing right out of the gate, where our technical team's actually been credited with finding three of the four largest minds in this town's history so it's all about people at the end of the day managing eccentric people i mean we've got a great team mm-hmm. uh and uh you know there's an exciting business uh and certainly every day there's something new that's going on that you would never have thought would imagine and would occur that that happens mm-hmm. um but then you kind of have the you're, you're constantly living on the the high so to speak of uh, making a discovery because truly I wish I had a piece of core cool with me right now. I'd show you, I know your listeners couldn't see what I'm describing, but uh, when you're looking at a piece of high grade copper, uh, you know, I can be in a really bad mood and turn really happy <laughs> in, a, in a snap of a finger. I,
0: I, well, I, I can't imagine because, you yeah, know, I mean, that's the future of the company is finding those things. What is your, if you, if you could look out five years from now, where do you see Calnex? What's your goal?
1: Well, I think, you know, Calinex in this cycle is is uh, is an exploration company. So yeah. more often than not, uh, exploration companies are are swallowed by larger companies that are and producers. So I think that's naturally what's going to happen mm-hmm. to a company like Calinex or any company that's successful in the exploration front, particularly right now, because these big producers need to backfill their their mind supply, right? I mean, they're producing, that's what they they're good at, their expertise is is getting the metal out of the ground and, and, and into the homes and through mm-hmm. the supply chain. And the only way to do that is either you have to be experts at finding mines yourself, which is a, again, a very specific tool set. And, and they do have, um, you know, exploration departments at these, these mid tiers and majors. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also what they look to do, and that's just natural part of the business is uh, the acquisition of um, X, you know, exploration stage assets that are, are transitioning to be producers where you've really got that big revaluation in your company Mm -hmm. uh, and then you get taken out. And so, you know, whether Kalanick sticks around and transitions to a producer uh, is a a possibility, a distinct possibility, but certainly as the world's appetite increases and you have all these supply drivers and we have a lack of discoveries, these big producers are going to really be looking at it very aggressively in terms of, Hey, how do we feed our, our future supply for production? Because they have their own production profiles that they've got to um, um, maintain to keep the valuations that they are at. And that's an intrinsic part of the business is the explorers get acquired by the developers and producers and mm-hmm. producers go on uh, to produce and make money in that way. And, and again, that's why exploration, while it's the highest risk part of the business because you're, you're coming from a concept uh, and you're turning it into a proof of concept. And then as you drill it out, you show it to a reality uh, and de-risk it that way, that's where you create the most amount of value for your shareholder base. Well, I mean, this has
0: been fascinating, Max. Um, you know, for everyone that is curious about Calinex, the website is calinex.ca. You can uh, find out what kind of projects they're doing. And uh, they are a uh, the corporate overview, if you're interested in getting involved Um with some of the, uh, you know, being an investor, but, uh, Max, it's been wonderful. Thank you so much for letting us know a little bit about what you do in this topic. That, uh, is, I, I think in the future, going to be extremely important because we do need copper.
1: No, absolutely. I really appreciate you having me. You know, I like to say copper is the new gold, yeah, uh, I but it's so. really precious. You know, I, I think people don't want to appreciate how precious copper truly is. They call, uh, Doctor, they call copper Dr. Copper because it's really a bellwether of the global economy. Mm. Uh, and it's, it is showing that the economy is obviously going very, very strong right now. And um, no matter the case, uh, you know, things slow down or, or not, it's a very, very key metal at a very, very key time as the world shifts away from the hydrocarbon. Yes. Well, thank you, sir. I appreciate you coming on. Have a great day. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the richer geek podcast where we're helping others find creative ways to build wealth and financial freedom for today's show notes, including all the links and resources from our show and more information about our guests, visit us at www.therichergeek.com podcast. And don't forget to jump over to Apple podcasts, Google play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts and hit the subscribe button share with others who could benefit from listening and leave a rating and review to get the podcast in front of more eyes i appreciate you and thanks for listening